If you have your Bibles, we're going to be in John chapter 6, uh, is where we are starting. A couple of, couple of days ago, about a week ago, uh, I'm, I'm coming back from a meeting. I'm out in the wild doing in the wild things, and, and I'm not doing wild things. I'm, in, I'm, I'm, out, I'm, I'm away from the church. That's what I'm trying to say. I don't know why that phrase came out. Uh, and, and I get back, and there's this guy who's kind of, he's on our property. He's parked. He's on our property. He's got like a box on his shoulder. Uh, he's just wearing like t-shirt and blue jeans. There's nothing super official about this guy. Uh, um, and, and he's sort of like trying all the doors. He's trying to find an open door. Well, there's nobody here at this moment, uh, and I'm just arriving back after whatever meeting I was in. Uh, and, and I say, sir, you know, can, can I help you with something? He goes, oh, we're with, uh, we're with Rico. And my first thought is like, who's we? You know, because he's the only guy here. Uh, and and, and he, he explains, he says, you know, uh, we're just kind of having a, a slow week, and, you know, instead of them sending me home, we wanted to come service your Rico printer, which kind of jives because we actually do have a Rico printer on site. It's a brand of our printer. And uh, it, long story short, it turns out he was completely official, um, but I was a little skeptical at first. I, I don't know if you know this about me. It takes me a while of just kind of sizing people up before I trust them. Uh, and that may or may not be true of you. Uh, and so I, I just sort of sized him up and I'm thinking, there's no official thing here. I wasn't expecting you. Uh, Sir, I need to, I don't know, I need to see some ID. I, I, honestly, I don't know what kind of criminal their, their like, it, it, criminal enterprise mind is. I'm going to pretend to to be a printer company salesman and, and show up, but there might be a crime that a guy like that could commit. I don't know, but I had to I had to check his authority. I had to make sure he was who he claimed to be because if he you know if he's not maybe maybe he shouldn't be trusted. We're we've been talking about authority a lot for the last few weeks. Rewind uh, about a year or two ago. I'm I'm going into HEB in the middle of the afternoon, and this guy pulls up in like a suburban, uh, and he's dressed very professionally like far more professionally than the real guy because this guy was a scam artist and how he was dressed really matters. And he says, hey, man, hey, hey, come here, man. Hey, hey, can we talk? It's like, uh, man, I'm just here for like a gallon of milk or something. It's like, listen, I've got, I've got $6,000 worth of projectors. I got to get rid of them. He's like, he's wanting to sell me projectors of all things. And I'm thinking, that seems sketchy. Yeah, let me see these projectors, okay? And so, and so we go to like the dark side of the parking lot, and he opens up the back hatch of his, his SUV. He's like, man, these projectors, you're not going to believe them. Like, these are $10,000 each on the market. I got to get rid of these, and you know, I, got, I got 30 minutes before they're going to... And he's just on and on. And it was a pretty good sales pitch. I got to be honest with you. Half of me thought about it for a second. I thought, my gosh, what if we installed $10,000 stolen projectors in our church. How cool would that be? Like laser projection? It would have been cool. Uh, I listened to him for a while, and at the end of the day, he had all of the right look to him. He had all of the right words. Like his sales pitch was so good, I really thought about it for like 10 seconds. Uh, maybe I would sell it, but at the end of the day, it's just like, it's not worth it because no matter how official you look or no matter how good you look, I know what you're trying to sell me is wrong. I know what you're trying to sell me is a lie. I know that this bag of goods will not be as good as you say it is. And the reason why I tell you these two stories that are in juxtaposition is that one of these guys was the one with authority, and I question it. And the other one who was without authority, I almost bought the lie. When, when we look at Jesus, and as a church, as Christians, when we, when we proclaim that Jesus is the hope of the world, that is really, really good if he has the right authority to come through on it. And it is the most heartbreaking thing of all if he doesn't. Paul would say later in, in the New Testament, he would say that if the resurrection didn't happen, how did he word it? Uh, it just popped in my head and now it's left me. Uh, uh, we are to be pitied 
more than all, something to that effect. That, that if Jesus isn't who he claimed to be, if the, if the lie or if the, if the promise was all a lie, then, then what, are, what are you doing in here? If, if Jesus isn't real, if Jesus isn't able to come through in the life that he's promised, then you actually have other things on your to-do list that would be more important than gathering with a bunch of other believers. We, we would be kind of going through a facade. We'd be going through an act. But listen, if Jesus is who he claimed to be, there is nothing more important than getting your heart right with him. There's nothing more important in this life than trusting the one who is the source of life. There is nothing that you need to get right more than who Jesus is. And so we've been going through John and we're trying to figure out like who is Jesus because this authority question, it matters a lot. And it may be the least glamorous question of, of all. I've, I have a... Um, uh, uh, so something about the algorithm. It's feeding me these same videos over and over again. There's this video series, a uh, type of video that keeps coming up. Uh, if you ever get like scam calls and they're like, hey, I'm calling you from Apple and we just need you to go get some gift cards real quick and, you know, do, do these. So these videos I get are like the scammers to the scammers. They get the scam calls and then they scam them back. And I just love it because they get all giddy. They have like a voice changer. So this this grown man with a beard sounds like an old woman who's just like, yeah, baby, you know, and, and then she, and then he kind of fakes it, hacks into that computer, deletes their stuff, and I'm watching. I'm like, yeah, get him, get him, because I can't, you know, like I just, I just want to see the the fake princes go down in the world. This this question of authority is one that should be something we figure out, and and we land on. John holds out that Jesus isn't just a important character, an important character that we should pay attention to. John isn't even satisfied calling Jesus a very well thought out prophet or really strong teacher. John holds out Jesus as as God, as the Word having become flesh. John holds out Jesus as the one who is sent to this world to rescue me and you. And so we've been, we've been working through John. Uh, we started this, this season of our series on John, just where Jesus draws a line in the sand. He says, I'm, I'm the one with the authority. I'm the one that the Father has sent. And, and then last week, we saw where Jesus feeds 5,000 people, and they're just like, their minds are blown, and they start pondering. They start, they start speculating. They start, the, the word that Jesus uses is they marvel at this. They're, they're in awe of what he can do the the power of feeding 5,000 people with just a few breads and a few fish, but then they start to speculate that maybe, just maybe, he's the one that we should put our hope in. So I, before we get to where we are today, I just want to kind of say to you what, what we've said is that I, I encourage you to draw your own conclusion. If you are already a follower of Jesus, getting this right and reinforcing your heart is very important. That our faith isn't built on a, a get out of hell free card that, oh, I prayed that prayer 20 years ago. Our faith is built instead on we have found the one to whom we trust, the one to whom we call Lord, and then we let him inform every corner of our life. If you're a follower of Jesus, that's the request. That's the goal. If, if you're on the fence, if you're just like, hey, that's not me yet, but I'm here, I'm listening, I want to know, you, you need to know that this is uh, not a, a, a hope and a dream. It is a, it is a faith that's built on this one uh, um, supposition. If Jesus is the one whom God sent into this world, then we should listen to him. If Jesus is not the one whom God sent to this world, then maybe we've got something wrong. So the invitation is the same invitation that Jesus gave them, is just marvel. Just speculate. See the works that he does and speculate. 
So, like I said, last week in chapter 6, uh, Jesus feeds 5,000 people. Um, they all start to kind of draw lines in the sand. They start to kind of consider some stuff. And then Jesus, he, he just leaves at that moment. They decided, hey, we know who you are, Jesus. We're going to make you king. And Jesus says, you got me right. You got you got." who I am right, but you have what I'm planning to do wrong. I am the Lord. I'm not planning to become your king in this worldly sense of being a king. And so, Christian, it's like, like I said last week, it's possible that we get the character of Jesus right and what he wants to do with your life wrong. Uh, I would invite you to just kind of check in with your Lord every now and then as you make decisions. What John does next, it really it, it kind of blows my mind because... Um, how, on a, on a scale of one to 10, how miraculous and how impressive is the miracle of Jesus walking on water? Is it, is it like a one or a two? Or is that kind of like, come on, that's a big one. You know, it seems, it feels like it's big. I, I don't know if you've ever, if you've ever been, you know, in a conversation and someone's like, well, I'm not perfect. It's like, yeah, well, you know, he thinks he walks on water. You know, they use the phrase walking on water is like perfection. It's, it's considered a high one. And what's funny to me is that immediately after this, uh, Jesus's story of walking on water, it gets like four verses in John. It, it is, John barely mentions it. Uh, he just moves along. What, what's happened is, is that Jesus sends his disciples off somewhere else. He goes on a mountain to pray by himself while the people are looking for him to, to be king. And then Jesus in the middle of the night just walks across the water to the other side of the ocean or the, the sea that, that they're on. Um, but John gives it verses 16 through 21. It's, it's very brief. If you want to, if you want to read that, uh, you can find it in Matthew 14 and Mark 6. Both of them really flesh this out. It's a, and a, again, it becomes a question of Jesus's authority. But John only uses this little story to kind of connect the dots to what's about to happen, to connect the dots on the next part of the story. So let's, let's get into the next part of the story. John chapter 6, verse 22. So it's on the next day. This is the day after he feeds the 5,000. This is the morning after he walked on water that night. This is the, the day after they tried to make him king. And he says, no, you've got me wrong and slipped out. And the next day, the crowd that remained on the other side of the sea saw that there had only been one boat there and that Jesus had not entered the boat with his disciples, but that his disciples had gone away alone. They look around and they're like, okay, Jesus couldn't have left here. He's got to be somewhere in this crowd. How many people did he feed? At least 5,000. So it's a big crowd. So Jesus could be hiding behind Timmy back there. Timmy, are you hiding Jesus? Like Jesus could be in this crowd anywhere. What we know is that his disciples left on the boat, but we didn't see Jesus get in that boat. And because there's only one boat, he couldn't have. So the people the next morning, they, they're like, we want to find our king. We want to, we want to talk to him. They're, they're beginning to speculate. There's a, a hunger to get close to Jesus. Verse 23, other boats from Tiberias came near the place where they had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. So when the crowd saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they themselves got into the boats and went to Capernaum seeking Jesus. So what's happened in this feeding of the 5,000, as you might imagine, uh, rumor has started to spread. You have the crowd that was there. They're like, we got to find Jesus. But a couple of them went you know, to their house and said, hey, there's this guy. You'll never be hungry again. He can feed you right now. Like he, he has, he has power to bring food to feed all of these people. If we catch him and put him in like a bottle of some kind, maybe we will never go hungry again. And so whatever their motivation is, crowds of people are starting to come to Jesus. When Jesus said earlier that they're going to see my signs, they're going to marvel, they're going to speculate. It's starting to happen here. 
Crowds have been following Jesus since he drew that line in the sand. Every time he flexes, every time he does something, more people start to ask the question, maybe he's the one, and they want to get to Jesus as close as possible. Let me, let me give you a little bit of advice. Uh, this, is, this is maybe for you, for your friends. Um, there's a curiosity, there's a hunger for the words of Jesus to be true. Even people who are not Christian, even people who are like against the faith, they want this promise to be true. And they may ask some questions. They may want to know more. They may hear a rumor of what Jesus has done in your life. Or maybe you've heard a rumor of what Jesus has done in people's lives in this room. And you're just like, I want to know more about this Jesus. Can I just give you a little bit of advice? Do what this crowd did. Try to get as close to Jesus as you can. Because too often than not, we go to people who have opinions about Jesus we, we ask around, people say things about Jesus, but, but this crowd, they're like, I want to, I want to know the real thing, which is what our exercise is here in John. They, they want to get close to Jesus. So verse 25, they find him. They're playing a little hide and seek with Jesus, uh, and they find Jesus. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? When did you, when did you get on this side over here? I, this doesn't make sense. You're, you're not supposed to be over here they said. Um, and then in classic Jesus mode, uh, they ask a question and Jesus gives an answer to a completely different question. Uh, he, he doesn't actually answer the, he didn't flex. He didn't say, how oh, well, you know, you didn't see it, but I walked on water. You should have been there. It was really, really cool. I was like jumping over fish. It was amazing. Jesus, Jesus doesn't brag about what he can do. Uh, he goes on to answer another question. If you... Um, uh, if you've been following the Lord for a while, uh, there's a season you will have already walked in, and if, if you haven't, you will eventually. There's a season where something's going to happen in your life that just doesn't make sense. Jesus, where, where were you? I really, I really needed you. You weren't where I expected you to be. Jesus, where were you? And we ask the questions like, why? Why did I have to go through this? Why is my family going through this? Why, why is this? And then when Jesus responds, very often he responds like, to a different question. The question behind the question. What he's going to do there, they're asking, hey, Jesus, how'd you get over here? And he responds to the question behind the question, but he doesn't actually answer the question of why he walked here. If, you're, if you've gone through a season of life and you're just like, my faith, it's not wavering. It's not like I doubt Jesus. I just, like, why were you there when I prayed? Why were you in that moment? Very often his answer is going to be to the question behind that question. A lot of Christians are just like, I, I want to answer to that. And... um I don't think Jesus is obligated to tell us. But verse 26, here's what he says. He answers them, and he says, Truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me, not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. He says, the reason why this crowd right now is looking for me isn't because you saw me feed a bunch of people and you want to know what that means. You're here because last yesterday, last, last time we saw each other, you were satisfied by something. You, you had your fill. It was my blessings that you're wanting more of. But just a second ago, we, we sang a song. Uh, I'm sure you were listening to it. You're paying attention to it. Um, that, that we don't need another blessing from Jesus. All, all we need is you. I'm sorry for the times that I came to you asking for another thing, but all I want is you. Jesus is kind of echoing that song. He's saying, you're here right now. You're curious right now. Because you were filled, you were satisfied, some, you had a blessing of some kind. You're not here because you think you know who I am. 
Uh, my kids are, are into, uh, uh, or were, not anymore, but they were into like um, uh, fairy tales. You know, you got, you got your uh, uh, Jack and the Beanstalks, you've got your uh, Jack and Jills, you've got your Humpty Dumpties, right? In the story of uh, Jack and the Beanstalk, uh, Disney has it that Mickey Mouse like gets the seeds, goes and fights the giant. It's like this big like David and Goliath kind of a thing. But if, if you read the old original Jack and the Beanstalk, it's a it's kind of a trippy story. And uh, honestly, all of the children's fairy tales are a little bit more violent pre Disney. I don't know if you know that. So if you're into that sort of thing, go get some Grimm's fairy tales and you know turn the lights down and be terrified of like witches eating kids or whatever they're doing. And in in Jack and the Beanstalk, he he gets these these magic beans. You know the story. Uh, he plants the beans. He gets up into the sky and there's a giant and the giant has this golden goose that lays golden eggs and and at some point or another someone got their hands on one of these golden eggs and they're like I can buy a house I can buy a thing I've got all the stuff this golden egg is good the problem with the golden egg is that once it's spent it's spent but Jack, he's like, I'm going to get this golden goose. This goose is important because the goose who can bring the blessings, the goose who has that power is the one that I need. Not to, not to draw too much of a parallel between Jesus and the Jack and the Beanstalk fairy tale, but many of us, we're chasing the Lord, and we show up to church after a long season of not being in church because we're just wanting one more blessing. We want God to come through on our family. We want God to come through on our work. We want satisfaction in this life. We want peace in our souls. We crave peace in our souls. And so we go to him seeking the peace. And very eventually, there has to be the case of, why not just stay with Jesus, the source of that peace? He, he challenges them with that very thought. He says, you're seeking me not because you saw the signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. Stop looking for your next blessing, crowd, he says. Get to the source of life and stay with the source of life. Stop working for temporary satisfaction and instead seek and find eternal satisfaction. Jesus holds himself out as, that's me, I'm, I'm the one. Okay, so... Let's, let's play a little what if game. Uh, put yourself in the story. You're in the crowd. Jesus is talking to you and he says, stop looking for temporary satisfaction. Stop looking for temporary blessings and work for the eternal one. What would your response be? I have some questions. Um, how do I do that? <laughs> uh, I have some questions like maybe, maybe Jesus, I've been trying to do that my whole life. Um, I've been looking for peace since I was 12. I've been looking for peace this whole time. Jesus, I, that sounds great. How do I do that? Jesus continues, uh, for on him, he says, God, uh, on him, God the Father has set the seal. He's saying, the Son is the one who has the seal. The Son is the one who has the authority. So the crowd says in verse 28, what must we do to be doing the works of God? They're just, they want to know, how do we do that thing? How do we get satisfaction? They want peace. You want peace. In fact, I would make the case that every bad decision you've ever made in your life, um, every bad decision your loved one has ever made has been in a quest for peace, is hoping for satisfaction. I mean, at the most, at the most visceral level, the, the easiest picture, I'm thinking of, of an addict 
who they got that first hit and they were, they were satisfied. They had joy or euphoria in that moment. And then the rest of their addiction is a quest for that same euphoria and it never satisfies the same way. And some of you are like, yeah, I know what you're talking about. And others are like, I've never been addicted to crack. I don't, that's not me. Okay, well, what do you chase? Because the truth is, is that the entire human race is on a quest for satisfaction and peace and euphoria. And everything that we've tried, every substance, every activity that we try, it falls short. It promises peace. It promises safety. It promises satisfaction. And you know, just like they found out that they ate their fill the night before, and now they're looking for Jesus again, because in the morning you get hungry again, and they're hungry, and they ask Jesus, what do we do? What does God want from me in order to get fully satisfied in life? What must we do to be doing the works of God? Jesus answered them, this is the work of God. He answers the question that they ask. It's very un-Jesus-like at this moment. Usually his answers are like way around a thing. They say, what work must we do? And Jesus says, this is the work you must do. We should pay attention to this. Maybe underline it if you have your own Bible. This is the work of God, that you believe in him who he has sent. What does God want for you to have total satisfaction in your life, peace in your life, that you believe the son that he sent? What, how, how are you supposed to become satisfied in life? What does God want from you? Like all this striving, all this work, and we, we get in places in our lives and we're just like, God, what more do you want? He wants you to run to the rescuer that he sent. Here, here's here's the, the imagery. Um, you're in an You're in an ocean and you're just treading water, you're barely making it, you're crying out to help, you can swim for a little while, but you're going to go under and you're going to drown if somebody doesn't come. And the Coast Guard, way far away, hears your cries for help, and they send a rescue boat, and the rescue boat comes up, and you say no to it. We, we refuse the rescue because, why? oh, maybe another boat's going to come. No, the Coast Guard sent the rescue boat. He's right there. And we look at the offer of Jesus and we just say, I'll wait for the next one. What, what, what about all those rules, all those things? Jesus is not interested in discussing that right now. What does God want from you that you believe the one whom he sent? It's a pretty blunt statement. Jesus knows what his role is and he's just comfortable holding it out. There, there is no plan B on God's rescue plan. He sees the condition of humanity and he sent a rescuer we either accept the rescue or, I don't know, we perish. Uh, there is no plan B. Verse 30, so they said to him, that sounds pretty good. Okay, I like what you're doing, Jesus. I just need a little bit of proof, okay? Just tell me, tell me how we can trust you at your word here. So they said to him, what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What, what work do you perform? Like, how are you going to prove that you have the authority to say that, guys, he just fed them the day before. And they're like, I need another sign. It wasn't good enough. I need another one. It's this quest for Jesus to validate himself over and over again. We need more proof, they say. Um, there's a lot of people in our community, in our culture, they're just like, oh yeah, well, I need, I need Jesus to show up. I need Jesus to do a thing. I need Jesus to, to prove himself to me. Um, there are some things that he's done. There's evidence that we need to look at, but this demand for proof this time, he doesn't, he doesn't do it again. 
Let me put it this way. It turns out uh, Jesus is not a circus monkey who just does everything that he's asked to do right on the spot. Oh, you have the ability to walk on water. You have the ability to feed 5,000. And they look at him and say, Jesus, do one more sign to prove it. And he won't. Their problem isn't that they need more proof. Their problem is that they need to accept the rescue plan. They say in verse 31, Our fathers ate manna in the wilderness, as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. They had just eaten bread the day before. They're finishing Passover. They're thinking manna. They're thinking, they're thinking all of these Old Testament pictures. And they're like, well, this is how God proved himself before. He, he gave manna. Um, Jesus is, is going to challenge them. I'm, um, I'm teaching in children's church on Wednesday nights. In fact, right now, as, as we speak, this wasn't planned, but as we speak, if you have children in children's church, they're actually learning something out of Nehemiah. I want to turn to Nehemiah uh, and look at a passage because I was using the children's Bible accidentally, studying for this message. Uh, don't, don't ask how that happened. And there was a footnote that said at this moment, like, hey, he gave them manna. There's a footnote to look at Nehemiah. And I'd never looked at that before. Um, I want to I look at it. Uh, I learned something in the children's Bible that I want to bring to us grown folks and, and learn something about. Uh, the book of Nehemiah is written, um, it, it, is, it is the people coming back from exile and they're trying to rebuild the temple and they're wanting to get like the God of, of their fathers back on their side. Uh, they feel like they've let God down and they're wanting to rebuild the temple. They're wanting to rebuild their life in a way that kind of gives honor to God. I wonder, I wonder if that, you know, echoes anybody else's experience. I, I was away from church for a while. I kind of, I was really serious about the Lord in my teenage years and my early twenties, but I've walked away for a minute and I'm really making a concerted effort right now to make God a big deal in my life because I need it. My kids need it. That's kind of the story of Nehemiah, but on a national level. And in Nehemiah, they're getting ready. They just rebuilt the walls. They, they just rebuilt the city and they're getting ready to like consecrate the city. And as they're consecrating it, they are reminding each other of the ways in which God came through for them and the ways in which they let God down. Now, I just want to read a bit of that in uh, Nehemiah chapter nine. You can turn there if you like, uh, or you can watch it on the screen. Nehemiah. Chapter 9, starting in verse 13. They're, they're kind of talking about reminding each other how God came through for them. It says, You came down on Mount Sinai and spoke with them from heaven and gave them right rules and true laws, good statutes and commandments. He's saying, You did good, God. You showed us the way. Uh, verse 14, And you made known to them your holy Sabbath and commanded them, commandments and statutes and a law by Moses, your servant. You gave us the law. Moses did good. It wasn't his fault. It, it, it turns out we were the knuckleheads in the story is where this is going. Verse 15, you gave them bread from heaven. This is what they're asking Jesus about. You gave them bread from heaven for their hunger. There's, there's an interesting awareness that, that they have right there. The bread from heaven wasn't meant to show like how powerful God was. It was meant to satisfy them. God knows their hunger, and he fed them. You gave them bread from heaven for their hunger and brought water for them out of the rock for their thirst. There's hunger, there's thirst. Jesus said, blessed are those of you who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for you shall be filled. 
Um, and you told them to go in to possess the land that you had sworn to give them. But, and here's the problem. The problem here, God, wasn't you. The problem was us, God, the, the Israelites are saying. But they and our fathers acted presumptuously and stiffened their necks and did not obey your commandments. You met our satisfaction, God. You fed us when we were hungry. You gave us a drink when we were thirsty. And our, our people, we ignored you and we stiffened our neck and we did what we wanted to do anyway. Verse 17, they refused to obey and were not mindful of the wonders that you performed among them, the, the signs. They ignored what you were doing, God. And they stiffened their neck and appointed a leader to return uh, to their slavery in Egypt. But you are a God ready to forgive, gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, and did not forsake them. See, even, even in the Old Testament, they're starting to see God's giving us proof that he is who he says that he is. And the reason why our life went sideways, the Israelites are saying, is because we ignored God's commandments and we stiffened our necks. He met them in their hunger. He met them in their thirst. Can I ask you a question? What are you so dissatisfied about? What is the picture? Why do you have that dissatisfaction or that, that hunger or that thirst? And many of us, we think, well, I, I, I'm lonely. I, 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 need, I need companionship or I'm, I'm dissatisfied. I need leadership. I need responsibility. We, we're, we have this angst in us and we think that we need to go to God to solve our angst. But what if it's the other way around? What if that hunger and thirst is in you to push you towards him? Not to go ask him for more things, but just to be with him. Can I tell you a secret? Um, the secret of the Christian faith is that Jesus is enough. Even if your health goes away, even if your money goes away, even if your securities go away, your family leaves you, even if this whole world falls apart around you, if you have Jesus, you have enough. That hunger and thirst you have for more is meant to drive you towards him. Here's, here's where Jesus goes. Let's get back into John. Jesus said to them, verse 32, truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven. Was it, was it Moses who did it? No, it was God. God was the one who satisfied you. He says, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven for the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. He's like, you're, you're missing this. The bread is the one who comes. The one who's going to satisfy is the one who comes. And so they said to him, sir, give us this bread always. They're, they're curious. They want more of Jesus. They want that satisfaction. They want peace. Give us all of it. And Jesus' response to them, he says, that's me. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. The promise of Jesus is this. If you go to him, if you believe he's the one whom God sent, you will have real peace in your life. You may not get a bigger bank account. You may not get a nicer car. All those prosperity preachers, they're, they're going to like cancel me right now. They're just like, no, you got to tell them you're going to get the nice car. You may not. You may. I don't know. I don't know how God's going to work it out in your life. Um, you, you want peace. You want your life to make sense. You want satisfaction, deep satisfaction that will not just last this moment. Because if you get filled this moment, if you, all of your bills are paid today, the credit cards continue going into the future. Like, like our biggest threat is not the money, is not the scarcity. It's not the lack of all the things that we're thinking about. Our biggest threat 
is that we won't get close to the Father. We won't go draw close to the Lord and therefore not get our satisfaction. He is the only rescue plan. Hey, God, we want this bread. Always give us this bread. Jesus says, it's me. Guys, I am the bread. Trust me. Verse 37, all that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. If you get to Jesus, listen, you can't mess up bad enough to get out of Jesus' grasp. If you trust Jesus with your life, if you confess him with, as Lord, you can't mess up enough to get away from him. You're, you're, you're secure. He says, for I've come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. There's nothing, there's nothing that is going to satisfy you like Jesus. There are a ton of things in this world that will promise to satisfy you. And most of you have lived long enough to find out that they're bankrupt. They just won't. There's this curious thing that happens that people that, that follow the Lord and their life goes into complete destruction. And you ask them, like, hey, brother, are you okay? And you're like, well, it's kind of hard and stressful right now, but God's good. How can, how can they say that? How do people get peace like that? If these words aren't true, what if all that you hunger for in life is just meant to push you towards the source of life? What if, what if that hunger for food right now, you're like, oh, lunch is coming. What if that hunger is meant to cause you to consider where's real satisfaction going to come? What if that hunger for companionship, that hunger for security, that hunger for, for more uh, safety in your life is meant to push you towards the source of those things and not to just go and get a withdrawal from him for those things. What if Jesus is more than his miracles? What if Jesus is bigger than his blessings? Your life, your life, I, I, just a few thoughts to meditate on as, as we kind of close out. Your, your life uh, would benefit more by being having a closer walk with Jesus than one more blessing for your family, for your job, for your security. Your life would be more satisfied if you got closer to Jesus. A life close to the giver of life is a better life. That's what we need. That's what you need. You don't, you don't need more church. You don't need more blessing. You need more Jesus close to him. In uh, Deuteronomy, uh, I, I skipped it. I apologize, Jason. But Deuteronomy chapter 8, Jesus quotes us. You may know this story. Jesus is being tempted by the devil. Like, hey, turn these rocks into bread so you'll be satisfied. And Jesus quotes uh, a passage out of Deuteronomy. Think about it in terms of Jesus being the bread of life. Here's what it says. Uh, and this is, this is Moses reminding them of what it was like in the wilderness. He says, and he humbled you and he let you hunger. And then he fed you with manna which you did not know, nor did your fathers know. You didn't even know where the stuff came from. You couldn't make it if you wanted to. That he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. What if, what if God is letting you feel dissatisfied in that job, in that station? What if, what if that hunger that you're experiencing is the gift of God pushing you towards the source of life, towards the true satisfaction? What if your greatest need wasn't to remove 
that hunger, but was to receive the bread of life, to be close to the Lord, the source of life, and to be fed by him, nourished by him. Jesus teaches us to pray. He says, give us this day our daily bread. You got to be close to the giver of the bread. I just want to invite you as, as you kind of go through this week, that maybe shift your prayers a little bit away from the, the, the object being the next thing, the blessing for your kids. Like continue with that, but add to it perhaps. Lord, help me be close to you. Have a daily constant awareness of your walk with the Lord, that he is the source of your satisfaction. And you're going to find as a result of that, that your circumstances may not change, but your peace will. You will be satisfied if you're close to the Lord. At least that's the promise of Jesus. Don't take my word for it. Uh, trust him. Um, if we can put that last slide up there uh, before we close out, uh, meditate on this this week. Let me pray, and then we will watch the cue together. Father God, uh, we, we come to you because you've taught us to. Uh, we come to you because, because uh, you're the, you're the only one. You're the, you're the only one who can make sense of all of these things. Lord, I pray for those of us in this room who are just in a season of hungering and thirsting, um, that we would consider all of the options, uh, uh that, that are at our, at our disposal to satisfy that, but we would choose you. We would run to you. We would hunger and thirst for righteousness and be filled as a result. I pray, Lord, in the name of Jesus, peace over these men and women, that they would find it and that they would find that you're the source of that peace. Um, not just in a moment, not just in a moment of crisis, but in a daily walk with you. Give us this day our daily bread and to teach us to, to run to you daily, uh, meaningfully and to trust you. Lord, I pray for protection for, um, those in this room, even including our young ones that, um, they don't run to bankrupt sources of satisfaction and feel the scars of that, but they would find your peace instead. We love you. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.